Tran. I'm the writer-director of The Paper Tigers, world premiering at Fantasia 2020 this year. Yay. Um, Carolyn, do you want to start with the first question? Okay, so my first question is, of course, um, how nostalgic the film is. Um, anyone who is a fan of martial arts films, especially North American films, will recognize so many of the little cult of the touchstones that you added into the film. And so I want to ask you, for when you were creating the script for the film, was film were, were the Karate Kid and also um, Kung Fu The Legend Continues, were those at the forefront of your mind when you first started creating the film? Um, and were they the inspiration, for, like, I guess you could say, for creating the film? Um, yeah, I mean, I, I guess I would say they were definitely in the pot. Uh, I don't know if you know, they were specifically, you know, these are inspirations as far as, you know, what we're going to do. I think there's a couple of subtle call-outs um, to both films, actually, but it kind of came out uh, when we were shooting and the actors wanted to have some fun with it as well. So the, there's that. Uh, I think for writing, uh, during the writing stage, it was definitely a little bit more about just kind of like, you know, trying to speak to my childhood or my upbringing and my time period, especially, you know, learning how to make movies with your camcorder, your family camcorder in the backyard so kind of like there's homage as far as visually uh, around that um so yeah i mean it's i guess i guess it's as autobiographical as can be i don't know if we necessarily wore any movie on our sleeves in particular uh but it, you know it's definitely we're all we're all influenced by what we grew up with so um i think my question next is kind of leading off of that when it comes into the autobiographical aspects um how much of i mean i guess i'm guessing that's a lot but how did you weave in your own life into a film that like really does comedy and action really well in equal parts um how was it adapting personal experiences or or you know putting yourself into a film that has those two aspects of genre that a lot of the times um i don't want to say don't mesh but you know sometimes you can see the divide between them yeah um yeah, I definitely autobiographical in the sense that, you know, just kind of drawing back, number one, growing up, studying martial arts uh, and with such a varied group of people and people like it's one of those things where um, when you look around your martial arts club or these are people you probably wouldn't hang out with in life, <laughs> but because you have a passion or some type of hobby and, and, and it happens to be this, then you're all brought together. So it's always a, a, an interesting intersection of all you know my martial arts classmates and that you know we still keep in touch with each other just like kind of different different walks of life so i thought that was a really interesting um thing as well um and yeah just kind of like paying tribute obviously to where we're, this movie set in seattle we're we're in seattle so we um you know wanted to kind of pay tribute to the roots that say bruce lee had laid down uh when he first came to america here um and if you may or may not know he he had a lot of guff got a lot of guff from uh, the older elders, uh, you know, teaching, you know, students of very different uh, racial backgrounds, like his first student was was a black American, Jesse Glover. And uh, his whole crew in Seattle was like Filipino American, um, Native American, uh, they were like Mexicans, and it was just like really varied. And, you know, he got a lot of pushback uh, around that. So that was always an interesting as a backdrop, as far as the multiculturalism, just as a texture, and also to create characters that were coming up from different different histories and backgrounds, but obviously came to martial arts um, as a common passion um, as around that. Um, 
And as far as the action and the comedy, it's just something that I just wanted to kind of do something that was felt honest. Um, and because, I mean, really, when you kind of take this idea of how do you do if you're out of shape, you know, the pitch was, how do, you know, what if you what if you had to fight a death match tonight, but then you have to pick up your kid from soccer before. <laughs> so, you know, you know, you just start pulling out that idea and what that means. And obviously, we don't have the big budget, so we, we're not going to do anything crazy fantastic wire work or anything but what 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 is that in our real world and i thought that was really interesting kind of explore that and just kind of like dive deeper into what it would mean uh you know if it just happened to people that looked and walked just like us so um so my next question for you is kind of like going off of that and it's interesting that you mentioned bruce Lee and like he did and he grew and his background in seattle and for a lot of the film i think one of the underlying themes is the relationships between fathers and sons and how they use um, something like martial arts as a way to connect to each other and for and for Danny he had a very close relationship with his tipu when he was a teenager but then when he lost his connection to the martial arts I think it, it to me almost kind of like translated into how he lost touch with his relationship with his son and then when he started to get back into contact with that martial arts is when he also started to become closer to his son. So I kind of like that's I kind of like saw how the connections to how the things that we were close to as teenagers and as children help us to connect with our children, whether you have children or if they're like children in your legs, it's a way to connect with them. So I wanted to ask you about developing that aspect of the story and how, as you said, is um, the film is kind of autobiographical. Like what part of your childhood um, influenced you making the film and how you developed the story between Danny and his son? Yeah, well, I mean, as a survivor of several death matches, uh, this is how it's <laughs> No, I mean, yeah, I mean, it's all like, you know, partly inspirational and you find stuff like that. But I think it was a really interesting. I think for me, it was about when I started writing this film, I think it was like feeling a little burnout from film, yeah. uh, from, you know, cause I, I started really young and I'm just kind of like doing videos and backyard videos and just, you know, being a movie buff. And then like when you get into the industry and you kind of see, you know, all the ins and outs and the darker sides of all that stuff. And it, it's just kind of like wears you down a little bit. So I think I was at a point where, um, I still wanted to make movies, but I couldn't, I had to kind of address somehow the feelings that I had as far as not feeling as passionate. I, you know, I you always like, man, I don't feel as, as passionate as I was when I was younger. So what, what is happening here? I mean, I'm still doing it. And then, um, so there's something weird of, of a disconnect. So I thought it was interesting kind of see that into martial arts because that's a very common thing as well. And then I think for anyone to really get into any art or anything at a real deep level, you have to kind of pass through this part where you see you know, the not so bright side and the not yeah. so um, glamorous parts of it. Mm -hmm. And martial arts too, you know, it's very common for martial artists to have burnout and, you know, I guess any any really profession or hobby, but martial arts especially, um, there's a thing where just people will have, you know, have to walk away from it. Um, so I, that's just kind of an interesting life thing. So, and it happened to be for, to be for me for film and martial arts. So that was kind of like, what do I do? So ironically you know it was a film that started because of burnout but then i spent nine years trying to make this so <laughs> i don't know what all that means so maybe you know it's, it's you know it's that you know sometimes your heart's not in it but you just gotta you something about you something about it 
keeps compelling you to keep doing it. So, um, one of the most compelling things in the film for me was actually the reactions between Danny Hing and Carter. Um, so I'm Mexican American and I grew up in, and I'm in Texas, which uh -huh. means I have a lot of people who come up to me speaking Spanish who don't necessarily speak Spanish <laughs> completely well <laughs> or trying to teach me about ballet folklorico, which is like folkloric dance, like Mexican folkloric dance. And you know, giving me recountings of my history. Um, and they're well-meaning because they've, they've fallen in love with my culture, but it creates this weird, uh, it, it highlights my hyphenated identity or my dual identity, my identity of being Mexican, but my family's been here for so many generations. I don't have a comprehension of Spanish. I don't have a, you know, my connection to it is very different. And then I have you know, you know, predominantly white folks who have come into the culture and who are assuming it in this different sense. And so when I saw Carter and how he fell in love with martial arts and also how he treated Danny and King, there was a lot of my own experiences that I saw in that. Um, so what inspired Carter and like how, how did kind of scripting those scenes between the three of them work out? Because they play it so well and so authentic that I was like, oh, this is a conversation I've seen happen before. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, that's, that's touching on uh, quite a bit of things that are happening because I think what we wanted to do, um, I think primarily, I think we wanted to have real characters that felt like, you know, they definitely came from a place. So, you know, I, you know, Carter could easily have been a, a really cardboard, you know, very, very surface level character, but it, there's a lot of stuff going on with that character, I think. And I think Matt Page, the actor, kind of really took to it. You know, I think there's, there's number one, yes, the cultural uh, love and then slash appropriation. But in a lot of ways, he's carrying the torch that the Tigers stopped yeah. carrying. So there is that kind of like conflict that I thought was really interesting to kind of give it that thing. Um, and also there is a vibe that Carter wants to be one of the three. Like he wants to be the fourth yes. tiger, but he can't. And, um, and that was something that was really funny that came out like actually during rehearsals in improv. Um, I had the tigers um, and Carter. I just said, okay, guys, this is, you're back to high school again, you know, back to your youth. And uh, you have to, you're scheduled to fight a challenge match. Fight, Danny and Carter are scheduled to fight yet again, another match uh, this Saturday, but it's Friday night and you're actually at a McDonald's and lo and behold, Carter walks in ordering a meal too. So I just had them sit across each other at a McDonald's and just see kind of where it went for that one Friday night before the night before the big fight, right? And they just started like riffing and started like teasing each other and like ribbing and giving each other back. And it was just really funny because it was really that kind of the vibe. And I think there's a couple scenes where you, you kind of see it in the movie where in a lot of words, they kind of regress back to those high school years in a lot of ways. And they <laughs> yes. just like get a little childish and they get a little like, you know, because like you hit those nerves and they just like you're back, you know, back 20, 40, 30 years ago, back to those things that make you feel, feel a certain way. Um, so I thought that was really interesting, kind of give them those type of histories and depths and, 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 and see what it comes out. Because, you know, when Carter um, is able to find a way to fulfill what he thinks is, is right, like he really relishes, right? So not to give too much away, but, you know, there's a point, you know, where he just like goes, he really, really has all this pent up emotion leading up to this moment. And then I think uh, it, it's, uh, it really helps as far as the characters live out those things. So 
yeah i mean i I think we just start from a place of truth um for the actors and i think that was that was the primary thing and and to what you were saying you know the feelings of being um talked down to but it's always it always seems to come from a good place so you're always like in a weird like you know how do i respond to this because you know they're not aggressing necessarily but this is like micro aggressing yes (laughs) so yeah yeah Mm. Um, so my next question is kind of, it has to do with relationships between um, the friends, but it, this one in particular has to do with Danny and oh my gosh, it's Tim and uh, his Ed, his son Ed. No, not Ed. Or, oh my gosh, the friend. Why am I blanking? Jim. I Jim. Said, yeah. What did I say? I said Tim. Yeah. Tim, yeah. <laughs> Tim, oh, I'm so sorry. I said Jim. No problem. <laughs> sorry. Yeah, yeah. No worries. Um. So no, I love all the relationship between the three friends because. The thing about um, friendships, like either there's somewhere as you can be separated for, like in their case, 15, 20 years, and then you come back. And after a few moments of, um, of awkwardness, you just kind of get back into that rhythm, like you said. And, and but the, I, I did want to ask you for a particular for Jim. Was there any concern that his character could be seen as a technical, quote unquote, magical Negro? So now the reason I ask this is because after he is, is this a spoiler? Yeah, because I'm not going to mention it. So there's the, the big <laughs> fight between him and the assassin at the end. So like Jim is there and he's, he's, he's inspiring him and he's saying, but the thought did cross my mind. Like for me, it wasn't that, but I'm wondering is like for anyone, any other black person watching this, it would be like, oh, is, is he, he's going to be the best friend that's there propping them up and, you know, cheering them on and he's not included in the action. So I wanted to ask you, um, was there any moment when you were like scripting or filming where like perhaps that may have crossed your mind? That that's how you um, perceive. Not really. I think I was thinking in terms of there's a real hierarchy um, in martial arts. Like you have the number one, number two, number three. I think yeah. that was something that was mapped out. But in terms of like what it became to to the thing where the arc of Jim is like before you know he was Danny's second and then was ditched you know essentially. So to me that was kind of like the payoff of that character mm-hmm. in terms of like now he's able to kind of Danny needs to step up. And Danny needs to fulfill what he needs to do and like basically show up, whereas before he didn't. So I think with Jim in that, in that sense is that character that kind of pushes Danny. I think they all push Danny. And I think the, I'm not, I mean, I know the trope and I, I think that's something, but I think they're, I think everyone is a function somehow of trying to push Danny into that. So I don't think it's just Jim, but it's also Hang that pushes Danny into action. That It's Ed that pushes Danny into action. So I think if you look at it as, as a fuller, um, you know, all the characters, I think there's there's definitely that going on. So, um, yeah, I don't know if that answers your question, no, but yeah, no, I think it, that's... No, it does. I just, I just wanted to ask you because, like, there are some people, if they watch it, they, the thought may cross my mind because that's something that we see so often. So sure. I was like, let me seize the opportunity and ask. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Just for myself. Yeah. Yeah, I think there's something, there's elements. I think also Jim, there's also, he has a feeling of an outsider-ness as well. Um uh in terms of like not feeling necessarily the most loved by Sifu you know there's a conversation about you know you guys were special you got all those things so he never really gets that thing until there's a certain realization that you know from later on so I think there's all these arcs that all these characters are kind of coming at it from that point of view so for me when I was writing I was just trying to give all all the characters or some type of way of a forgetting Sifu and then be, be remembering him, him again in some way. So I think they're all kind of like coming at it from different angles. In that. Yeah. 
So we can't do this interview without talking about the action sequences and the fight choreography because it, it it's beautifully done in that you have these moments that feel super triumphant and then like a knee snaps <laughs> or like something pops out of place. How, what went into, because that, that type of, I have to commend you because the fight choreography is tight and good and yet the physical gags are also tight and good when it comes to bringing that comedy through it. Um, so what went into kind of choreographing those fight scenes? How did you work with your actors in doing that? And was there ever a moment where you're like, okay, is this gag pushing it too far or is this not enough? Hmm. Um, yes to all of the above. <laughs> so, <laughs> you, know, we, you know, it's a testament to our action team, you know, uh, our action director, Ken Kitagua. Um, who's also featured in the film, but you know he he really was really on the same page as far as like trying to design this action because a lot of that a lot of the thoughtfulness has to go into that as well because um, yeah like you're saying what what we want to do is you know have people that were a little bit step behind so when they do some choreography and action it's not always clean blocks and clean yeah. kicks you know sometimes they get hit and they get they get rocked or you know everything gets snapped back and. You know, they're not in their prime. So we wanted to kind of embrace that dirtiness in a little bit um, and not be so crisp and clean. Um, and I would say maybe on the other side of the spectrum, it's like uh, kind of like Power Rangers. It's very crispy and clean. Yeah. And it's just the style, right? So it's just, and then we're kind of on the, on the other dingy side, you know? So we wanted, to, you know, we want to embrace the, the analog of it all and just kind of like get a little messy on it. And even if it was like, yeah, it was kind of like a weird, you know, it doesn't look, great but you know maybe that's what we need for this this scene so i yeah. i think that's something that we were always looking for and it was always kind of a push and pull and also just a lot of playing with the edit as you had kind of alluded to is just trying to figure out what's too far and what's too too sloppy and too clean and just trying to find that right balance and then also um uh the so for the actors they it was kind of a an interesting thing because it's always a challenge because some of them aren't as experienced in martial arts as uh, as as like Ron is like the most Ron who plays Hing is you know the most experienced martial arts of of the three, um, so you know he was he was he was great to work with as far as the, the action stuff. But the other guys, you know, we had to kind of figure out what would be kind of the right design for it, and it kind of works for us. You know, they're not playing super prime superheroes, right? Mm -hmm. And it kind of works if they're a little bit off and a little bit sloppy, and it's not as clean. So it it we just trying to embrace all those imperfections as much as we can. So. Mm. And um, going off of that, actually, my next question is, is going to be pretty similar to what Kay asked, and it has to do with the design for the fight, because each character has their own, um, I guess you could say, physical traits or how they fight. And Jim in particular, he was hilarious because he legit forgot how to fight. And yeah. <laughs> and I think that's, I think it's so interesting because when you see him, you look at this guy, because you meet him in the dojo, and you were thinking, oh, he's going to be like tough, and he's going to, and he's like, oh, wait, I forgot. But it kind of makes sense because I, I, to me, I saw his, um, his fighting ability connected to who he was emotionally, and I think because of how he, had, he, he thought he didn't have a connection with Sifu, it's like he lost the ability to connect to the martial arts because his connection to martial arts was Sifu, and so he lost that ability. And, and so I just thought it was hilarious, and it was actually kind of brilliant. Where for once in an action film, you have someone who has not been fighting for years say, "I don't remember how to do this." Right? <laughs> Like, I, I can't that moment that. of realization on Jim's face and Jim's face where he's like, Oh god, I know jujitsu, but I don't know this other thing. What? I thought it was hilarious. And the thing is, is that he doesn't rely on the jujitsu or even the boxing. Mm -hmm. 
because their 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 code of conduct is like we have to use gung fu. So he mm-hmm. can't rely on that. And so he's like, I'm I'm up a quick with all the paddles. Like, <laughs> what do I do? He's like, I yeah. can't throw an MMA punch. I can't do I can't do a tumble from jujitsu. So <laughs> let me just fall. Just let me just fall my feet. And I thought that was brilliant. So for for you for when you were, when you guys were creating the um and actually shooting the film, like what was the process of uh, and how did you come up with this idea of having someone who was just not able to fight? I think that's uh yeah, just trying to like what you're saying, trying to give each fight a flavor because essentially, you know, because the way this fights are structured, they're kind of rounds almost, like mm. each round and then you have a next round and the next round and then it kind of goes. So it's quite a lot of stuff to cover and to design for. So, you know, each trying to find each fight and given its own flavor because each of the characters are changing out. So that kind of changes things as well. Um, so I think it's just, again, same way we kind of approach, you know, the actors and the performances like what does that mean for each fight because what is what is the truth that each character are coming from at that moment so one is forgotten one is a little bit um hot under the collar but you know his his body clearly is a little bashed up and then the other one is just so rusty that he just he can't even you know so it's like you have three different ways that you could again three other prisms like into yeah. seeing you know like what you're saying like how did each of these three forget what Sifu taught them in their own way? Each, all three of them forgot in a different way, you know, what Sifu was trying to teach them. So, um, yeah, I think that's just kind of like what we had to do is just kind of figure out uh, what that would mean, and especially against, you know, young kids or against Carter or, again, you know, and stuff like that and just trying to figure out what that would be. So, yeah, it just kind of takes – and also, also what the actors are comfortable with because then it's one thing to have something in your head, but then you actually – put it on its feet and then people in flesh and blood are actually trying to do the moves you have designed and it's a it's a different thing so you always have to kind of make adjustments as you go so that again the action team you know was you know was really on the same page and i think that that goes a long way because honestly that's not common um i think act some action teams will want to go well let's make this awesome and look cool and just kind of go for the aesthetics and not really understand you know what's actually happening with the story so um, I think it, it really takes a lot to be on the same page. And I think it's, it sounds simple, but it, it's really not when, when people have different ideas like you. Oh, so. no, for sure. I understand. <laughs> I understand. <laughs> yeah. Um, so my last question is really kind of general. And just, I want to know what you want people to take away from the film. Like after, after when the credits roll, like what do you want people to leave that, that viewing with? Um, that they, that's $10 well spent, <laughs> maybe 20, hopefully 30. I don't know. Um, yeah. I mean, I, I, I think the important thing is, you know, about family and friendship, but also again, back to the things like, I hope people can kind of think about maybe in their own lives, things that they, they might've forgotten about and that was valuable to them. And maybe it's, you know, you know, whatever hobby or anything that they thought or some value that they might've grown cynical about i think ultimately i think ultimately this movie is trying to be anti-cynical in the sense Mm -hmm. like it's just easy to to know more and grow up and but you can grow out of things and not not be any wiser um so i think there's that's something that we really wanted to kind of like you know relate and explain and or not explain but you know relate and and show because i think that's that's supposed to be you know what we'd like to have people connect is people just maybe not into martial arts movies and i think there's something here for or people who may not usually watch martial arts or action movies, I think there's something for everyone here. And um, so my last question to you is going to be kind of a typical question, but I have to ask because um, 
when I watched the film, I had just not to, I, I recently interviewed um, Hiro Koda, and he's a stunt choreographer, stunt coordinator, and AD director on Cobra Kai and Stranger Things. And when I saw this film, I said, you would be perfect for directing an episode of Cobra Kai. And I am not, <laughs> I am not being, I'm not blowing smoke, I'm proud, but when I saw that, I legit thought, I'm like, you would be, your, your filming style and the way you're doing the story would be perfect for Cobra Kai. So I, I want to ask you, like, what's your next step as a director? Like, what's next? For you, are you working on any other projects? Are you going to are you going to be filming anything as an actor? Yeah, I mean, I hope I can keep working. I mean, uh, let's hope this movie does well and <laughs> keeps us keeps us afloat. Um, yeah, I think right now, you know, obviously with this funny pandemic, and then we just had, you know, what production looks like. I think there's going to be some questions around that. What would be the next sensible project? Because um, movies are going to basically cost more to make. Period. Mm -hmm. So yeah. we have to, we're going to have to start budgeting for extra insurance, extra, you know, coverages and extra time that it would take to do, go through all these protocols. So I think that's going to be uh, a, a huge question, I think, for all of us. So I would love to, I have a lot of projects that I want to do. Um, the question is whether the price tag kind of warrants what we, what we're able to, to ask for. Um, so, um, yeah, I mean, if, if there's episodes, directing episodes, that's definitely an option and I would love someone call me. Uh, but yeah, so <laughs> We can see where that goes. I think that's a, those are a lot of um, fun as well. So I think those are those are great opportunities. Again, thank you so much for speaking with us, Bell. This was a lot of fun, and we really enjoyed the picture. And um, yes, yeah, so stay safe. Yeah, <laughs> yes, you and your I hope you and your family stay safe. And whatever you do next, we'll be sure to check out. Yeah, and why don't you go ahead and like plug like everything you want to plug the movies, Twitter, your Twitter, a website, anything you got, say it now, and I'll make sure to also link it in the interview. Uh, yeah, let's do thepapertigersmovie.com, and you should be able to find everything there. But all the socials, and I'm not, I'm not the, the biggest expert <laughs> on it. See, as, as you can tell, thepapertigersmovie.com, it'll have all all you need, and um, you know, hopefully, you can catch it at. Fantasia and any other festivals stateside soon. So, yeah. <laughs>